0: Today's message is entitled, Because I Said So. (laughs) Not me, not me, as you'll find out. I'm not trying to be rude, but Because I Said So is the title of today's message, and that's on your notes thing, if you're taking notes today. How many of you had parents that would often say, Because I Said So? (laughs) Child may say, How come I can't cuss? And the parent would say, because I blankety, blankety, blankety said so. <laughs> you know? And they say, You cuss? And the parents would say, What? Don't do as I say, do, do as I say, right? Because I said so. My mama taught me all, all that kind of stuff. Say your mama. Say your mama. <laughs> it was her taught me about religion. She said, You better pray that stuff come out of the carpet. mama I'm gonna pick on you again today she likes it she likes I wouldn't do it if she didn't like it but let's talk about authority for a moment who has the authority to say that because I said so to rebel against authority seems to come natural to us as human beings I've noticed I think God noticed it. I think it kind of surprised him. I don't, I don't know if anything can, can surprise God, but it sounded like he was, he was a little taken back in uh, Exodus 32.9 here. He said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. And, and I don't know if God gets surprised, but I think even our, our stiff-necked, rebellious attitudes, at one point he said he was sorry he even made us. So I don't know if God can be surprised, but I, if anybody could do it, it would be us, right? But I think he, he expects a little bit more from a believer than he does, you know, someone in the world, a, a sinner who doesn't know any better. Let's turn to Romans 13, and let's talk about authority just a moment. Because I think even some of the Christians are getting confused these days on authority, as you look around, it's not hard to, to see or to miss. Everyone, verse 1, everyone must submit to governing authorities. So that includes who? Everyone. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. It was his, in his wisdom that he said, you know what? If we just let everybody do what they want to do, It'll be like the purge 24-7, you know. Everybody will be killing everybody. And that didn't work. I mean, that was kind of what happened before he gave the law, and that's why he had to have the flood to start over because it was like crazy out there. All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Now, I don't know, there's oddball cases out there, whatever that has happened, but in my experience, if I'm doing right, I don't have to fear the law. There was a time I wasn't doing right, and every time I saw the po-po, I was hiding and ducking, you know. I don't have to do that anymore. I can drive right up to that sobriety line or whatever, that that roadblock without any fear, (laughs) That's good. <clears throat> would you like to live without fear of the authorities, it says? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. You need to see them that way. I know there's some bad apples in the bunch or whatever, but you need to see the authorities as for your good. You need to take a moment, if you hadn't, to think about what society would be like if there were no Pope. Who would you call, (laughs) you know, when somebody's knocking on your door, or shooting through your door? Anyway, if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They're God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear, clear conscience. And one of the best things in my life today is that I can go to bed with a clear conscience. I mean, that's what I hated so much about being lost. That's one of the things, reasons I wanted to get saved. I got tired of going to bed with all this mound of sin on my shoulders, knowing that I had said this to somebody and I had started strife here and I had stole this or I had done that. Man, that was just, that's no way to live. Be able to lay your head on your pillow at night and get a good night's sleep knowing that you've got a clear conscience and you've done right. Now, like I said, I know what some of you are probably thinking, but I've seen those videos where the cops taser them and they didn't do nothing. Or they shot somebody or they beat somebody. There's some bad apples. I understand that. But let me ask you, what do you think about how we should treat authority? Are you being swayed by all the the videos? Let's turn to 1 Peter 2.18. 1 Peter 2.18. I can have a strong opinion because I used to have the opposite opinion. I remember giving, I wasn't even going to tell this, but it just came to me. I remember in college one time they asked me to give a speech, you know, and you were supposed to write one, but I didn't. And I showed up at that day and didn't expect her to call on me. She called on me. So I went up to the podium with nothing. And what came out was this long story about how the police are wrong. (laughs) Because that's all we thought about as teenagers, how to get away from the police, you know. And I did, gave this long speech about how they're all corrupt and all this. And I was so proud of myself because I was able to give a speech without any notes or whatever. And I sat down, and every other uh, kid in the class just started going off. Well, you know, that's wrong. Police are there to help us, and I couldn't believe because I was redneck, you see. <laughs> I was raised in White Haven, and uh, I wasn't like these other college kids, and, and they let me have it. And I'm glad they did looking back. Anyway, 1 Peter 2.18. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Now, back in those days, you know, there was, slavery was common. It might not have been as, as drastic of slavery as we think of from here in America. What, uh, but it was a lot of indentured servants type of thing where you owed people money and you had to be their slave until you paid it off. And, and there was a lot of that. But there was probably regular slavery too. But either way, God is saying You must submit to your masters with all respect, because if they have authority, respect it. Do what they tell you, not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beat for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So, yeah, there's some rotten eggs and authority above us. You might not like your boss, you might like. But God says, do what. You can't control them, you got to control you. You do what's right. You always do what's right, no matter if the people above you are not doing right at all. And you respect their authority, even if you don't respect the person. But I can hear what some of you are thinking. It's just coming loud and clear. But what if an earthly authority commands me to sin or tells me to do something I shouldn't do? Well, that's addressed in the Bible, too. There was a time where uh, Jesus had, had gone on to heaven and Peter, James, and John and them were preaching in Jesus' name, and they did a miracle, and, and the high priest, they brought them in, and they whooped them and put them in jail and pulled them out and said, I thought we got rid of this Jesus. And here they're still preaching it. And commanded them not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. Acts 5:29. but Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority, any human th- authority. Why is that, do you think? If you were, Harlan, you ever been in the army or anything? Say you're in the army. You always, okay, he's, he said he's in the army. All right. Say you're in the army, and your captain comes and says, boy, give me 20 push-ups. And just before you jump down to give him 20 push-ups, the general comes by and says, boy, you better not hit that ground. What do you do? What do you do? There's a conflict of authority. Which one would you obey, the little captain or the general? The higher authority, right? And so there's a higher authority. Those people who are in authority were put there by our higher authority, we just found out. God is the final authority. If somebody commands you to do sin or whatever, you have every right to say no. Even if the police or whatever, you may suffer for saying no. But if you have, uh, if it's to do the right thing for God, then you have the authority to say no to the authority, basically. He's, God is sovereign. He is the final authority. All authority comes from God. He's the head honcho, the creator, the owner, the redeemer, Lord God. He is God. Okay? And, and so we follow him ultimately. And that's why... You know, you look in the past and they were throwing Christians to the lions and stuff. They didn't like that that they wouldn't do the sinful things that the authority told them to do. So if things get bad here in America, you need to go on and make up your mind. What you gonna do? You gonna follow God or are you gonna follow man? But in the meantime, as long as they're not if it's if they're not conflicting with what God says do, even if you don't like their attitude, what do you do? I think it's clear. What do you do if God says, because I said so? That's the question I'm going to keep asking you today. Because that's what we need to settle in our hearts. What do we do if God says, because I said so? Because, you know, when we were kids, we didn't like to, that. Was like, <laughs> that was like somebody putting out a tray of forbidden fruit. You was automatically going to do whatever they said not to do because they said so, right? It just made you mad, made that, stirred up that rebellion in you. But anyway... It's like my mama. Say your mama. mama. I Stop saying my mama. No. <laughs> mama taught me about the circle of life. She said, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> she taught me about humor, too. Not much, but she, she taught me about humor. She says, boy, if that lawnmower cuts your toes off, don't come running to me. <laughs> You remember saying all that? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm the world's only mostly true pastor. No. But I always tell you when I'm kidding, right? <sighs> mostly. <laughs> we <pretty much> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we're going to talk about faith for a minute. Because even though God is the final authority... If you don't have faith that he is God or that he has the final authority, it's not going to move you. It's not going to make a hill of beans of difference in your life. I've often told y'all that all of this life is really just a test of do we believe. All of this life. Do we believe that God said this? Do we believe that he is who he is and he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do? The Bible says it's impossible to please him without Faith, Hebrews 11, I think. It's impossible to please him without faith. You must believe that he is, first, that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he'll do good for you if you'll seek him and do his will. So do you believe he is who he says he is? That's the, that's the question of faith. And if you do, Matthew twenty two 21, 22 says you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. That's a pretty good promise. It's a pretty good incentive to build up your faith to believe God, to to get his heart on issues. So then when you pray, you receive whatever you pray for. If God says, because I said so, what do you do? Well, some of us in here, maybe not in here, but there's people that I have heard that Have faith that he is God, that that they know that there is a higher power, that there is a creator, but you hear things like this. I know he's God, but I'm not going to serve him because he lets bad things happen to good people. What they're doing is they're saying, I believe that he is who he says he is, but I don't like his character, and therefore I'm not following him. I'm not listening to him. I'm not doing what he says. And that's in your sheep. Some may even believe in God, but have such disdain for his character that they refuse to obey his commands or to respond to his commands. And that's not, you know, God is not afraid of caution. He's not afraid of your questions. If, you, if there's legitimate, you know, before I got saved, I didn't know any better. I questioned the heart of God, why he does what he did. I didn't know him. I only knew what I'd been taught in Sunday school at the Catholic Church or something. I, I didn't know much about God. And so I had a lot of wrong thinking of, along the lines of who God's character was. And so I questioned things. It's good if you're questioning. If I would have never questioned, I would have never led to finding out who he really is. And it's good to have a little caution because back in 1978, there was this guy named Jim Jones, you might remember. Started this little church and then began to pass himself off as the new Messiah. And then he, I don't know why, I, can't, I don't remember the whole story. Next thing you know, he's got 918 people drinking poison Kool-Aid. You ever heard the term, they drank the Kool-Aid? I think that's where that might have come from. 918 people died. Because they didn't have any caution. They didn't know the character and just fo- followed blindly. Christian faith is not a blind faith. It's not a blind leap. There's <laughs> The more you get to know him, the more you walk with him, you'll be convinced of his goodness. I mean, it, he's not afraid of your caution. He, he's, he just don't want you to, ne- to never ask those questions, to never get to know, to, to act like a... Uh, that uh Everything's hunky dory. I'm not going to think about death. I'm putting my fingers in my ears. He wants you to ask questions. He wants you to, to get to know him. Read the Word of God and challenge him. Some of the greatest Christians in the history of mankind were people that started off as, as atheists and tried to disprove the Bible and come to find out they couldn't do it and became Christians themselves. You know, my mama was super cautious. <laughs> Say, your mama. She warned me about hypocrisy. She said, if I've told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. <laughs> a million times. I hate when I have to explain the joke. It just never comes off good. Let's talk about Abram, who would later become Abraham. I saw in Abram a progression of someone who... Uh, at first, realized the authority of God. God came to Abram and he said, Abram, I want you to leave your kinsfolk, leave where you live, take up your stuff, and go to a land that I'll show you. And he did. That showed a, a, a great deal of faith because it just for the sake of it being God. But he didn't leave all his kinsmen, did he? He brought Lot along with him. <laughs> and so Lot ended up being a lot of trouble Later on. So he, he had somewhat of a faith. He was willing to move, but he wasn't willing to have total obedience. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You kind of want to move in the direction of pleasing God, but you still want to hold on to the little safety blankets that you have that, that you think are so precious. Uh, so he goes where God says go, and he starts doing what God says do. But then he goes into these towns, and his wife, Sarah, is so beautiful that he's afraid that the kings of these places is going to want to kill him and take his wife. So he gets his wife to do what? Lie and say she's his sister. That just shows that he didn't have enough faith to believe that God could protect him. In every situation, right? Well, he, he, just having enough faith to do what God says mostly begin to prosper, Abram. I mean, he began to have more goats and cows and chickens and whatever they had back in those days. And people, you know, was born to his household, and Lot was blessed just from being around Abram. And they got to be so big that they had to part ways. Thank goodness, you know. And uh, Abram is successful, and he has victory, victorious. What am I saying? He he's victor. he, He what was that word? Victorious in battle. Thank you. I've never heard Tom stutter till today when he's trying to say fatted calf. (laughs) I'm not the only one. Pray that there's not a spirit of stutter up here. But anyway, God promises us the old man Abram that he's going to have a child. Not just, you know, not one of his servants is going to get all his stuff, but that he's going to have his own child. God's going to give him a child in his old age. He tells him to look up at the stars. Has God ever made promises to you that seem just too good to be true? You hear it and and you, you, you kind of look at what God says and say, no, no, he couldn't really mean that. But God meant it. In Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. How are we counted righteous? How are we counted right with God? Do you know? Is it because of our good works? Because we're good, such wonderful people? No, we're counted righteous the same way Abraham is. Because we just have faith in God. Because we have faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That we're not, we're not right with God because we're good people. We're right with God because Jesus paid for our sin on the cross. And because we believe that, we're made right with God because of faith. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, being a, a good person, because we've all sinned and blew that one right out of the water. So, so God is so pleased that Abram looks up to the stars and, and can see it and actually believe it that God counts him as righteous, and partners and enters into a covenant with Abram. He said, I found a man that will believe me. And so he gets Abram to cut all these animals up and split them open and just leave a trail of blood right down the middle. And and as it gets dark, Abraham falls into a deep sleep, and God himself comes down in the form of a a torch and a smoking uh, fire pot and walks through the trail of blood to cut what we call a blood covenant. Does that make sense? Maybe you've seen this story. He cuts a blood covenant with Abraham. Now, I don't know how much you know about covenants, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Abraham and Sarai, they get this promise, but then time goes by. How many have you got a promise from God, and then seven years later you're saying, you, you just begin to forget about that promise. You, you, you uh, let it go. Well, we can't do that, and some of us try to bring it to pass ourselves. God promised it one way, but we begin to say, well, God ain't doing it. I better do it. And so what they did was uh, Sarai gave Abram her handmaiden, Hagar, and they had relations and had a child together. And they tried to claim that as God's promise. What did they do? They had an Ishmael. And the Ishmael's not good. I've had Ishmael's not, not real living childrens. <laughs> but uh, I've, made, I've tried to make things happen before that God promised me. And it didn't come out well. It never really does. But you know what? In doing that... Abram witnessed how God handled his mistakes. And once you witness how God handles your mistakes, it's going to help you see his character a little better. I know that the times in my life where I was making the boneheaded mistakes and doing the dumbest stuff, I saw God's mercy more clearly than I had ever done before. And so he just kept walking with God. He just kept seeing God being good to him when he didn't deserve it. There was this story that uh, God came down in the flesh with some angels and uh, they were going to wipe out the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah you remember and they stopped by Abraham or Abram's house and they talked to him and they got his opinion on it and Abram was actually arguing with God what if there's only 50 righteous? if there's 50 will you destroy the whole town and they go through that whole scenario and, and got down to I think like 10 people and there still wasn't 10 righteous in any one of those towns but I thought wow God consulted with a man. Have you ever... I mean, what... His ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts so much higher than our thoughts. Why would he consult with us? Why does he use us? Why don't we just zap us up to heaven when we get saved? Why are we still here? God likes us involved in the process. Have you... You dads, don't you enjoy having your children help you fix the car, though they may not know a thing about it? They may not help. They may get in your way. They may knock everything over and bring you the wrong wrench every time. But you're, you involve them in the process because you want to be with them. You want to see them learn. You want to enjoy their growing up. And that's, that's the way our heavenly father is. And Abram began to see that that God would even consult him before he did something. Pretty awesome. When Abraham or Abram was 99 years old, this is 24 years after God first told him that he was going to be the father of many nations and told him to move from his homeland and so forth, God finally realizes that Abraham is ready to receive the promised child. 24 years later, it took him to... to walk with God, to see the character of God, to believe and trust in God to the point where I believe God can do what he says he would do. Give an old man like me and, and my barren wife a child. And then God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And sure enough, nine months later, guess what happened? Not an Ishmael this time, an Isaac. And you think, well, that that was just such a wonderful, heartwarming story. I'm glad that's the end of that. But it wasn't the end, was it? Do you know, just because you've had some victories in the past, and you've had faith in the past to believe for some things, that's not the end of it. You're still here, and you're still going, (laughs) and you're still growing. And where you've had success in the past, God expects more success in the future. He expects a closer walk with thee. Right? Isn't that a song or something? When Isaac is 15 years old, God says, okay, now, you've got your promised child, the one you love dearly. Now I want you to go to a mountain where I'll show you, and I want you to sacrifice him there. Wow. Talking about taking it to the next level, huh? What do you do? When God says, because I said so, what do you do? Would you have been squirming in that situation? Would you have been hee Let's pray this out, God. I'm going to talk to pastor and all my friends. I'm going to have to get a lot of people's opinions. I'll get back to you maybe next month on this, and then we'll talk about it again. Maybe you've calmed down and come to your senses by then. Right? That's the way most of us would do. But it says early the next morning, Abraham got up with Isaac. Both of them were immediately willing to do what God, and I say both of them, some of you may say, well, Isaac didn't know what he was doing really, it was was just Abraham. Abraham must have been a good father to teach his son to trust God at such an early age. Because you know what, Isaac was 15 years old, by this point Abraham was 115 years old. I think Isaac could have outrun Abraham if he wanted to. I don't think Abraham could have wrestled him down and tied him up at 115 years old. Okay? So they go to this mountain. They, ride, they got a couple of servants with them. And they carry the wood. And they carry a torch, you know, to light the wood. And uh, they carry the knife. And they carry the, the rope. And they get there. And they tell the two servants, me and the boy are going to go up on the mountain. But we will be back. That's a statement of faith. That's a statement of faith because God had already said, go sacrifice him. But he says, we'll be back. Meaning we'll be back. Something in Abraham knew that God asked him to do it. Even if he sacrificed his son, God was able to bring him back to life. Because he had already made a promise that through your son Isaac, through your seed, the world will be blessed. And it will be as many as the stars in heaven. So he he was having faith. I'm gonna go sacrificing, him, but we'll be back. And so they, they climb the mountain, and on the way, Isaac looks at his dad, and he's starting to figure things out, and he says, Dad, I see we got the wood and the knife and the, the rope and the fire. Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says another statement of faith: God will provide himself a sacrifice. Oh, he didn't realize what he was saying there. But he was so true. So they get to the top of the mountain, and Abraham, like I said, I don't think he wrestled the boy to the ground and tied him up. He gets Isaac on top of the wood and gets him to lay there and ties his hands. And he is so intent. He knows so much about the character of God. He has so much faith in God Because he's walked with God these last 24 or five years now. He's coming down with that knife. He is fully confident that God is going to raise this boy up if he has to. And he's coming down with that knife and God has to say, Abraham, Abraham. He says it twice. Because Abraham was coming down. (laughs) And he says, do the boy no harm. I see that you have faith in me. And he showed him a ram caught in the thicket. There was a ram caught in the thicket. It says, use that as a sacrifice. Boy, I bet Abraham was wiping the sweat off his forehead. <laughs> huh? But he was, he was willing to do. We know God doesn't ask for human sacrifices. He, he knew deep down something wasn't right about this. He knew God was going to do something. He knew about the character of God. And he knew even if he did do it, God was going to raise him back to to life, And that's the kind of faith we need to have in the word of God when he says, because I said so. And let, let, me, let me say this. God doesn't often say because I said so. I don't think he may, he may never have said because I said so. In fact, you, he's written us a whole book here of why he does what he does. He has documented quite clearly why he would ask you to do, and he won't ask you to do anything that the Word of God wouldn't ask you to do. So (laughs) don't come up with some dream and go sacrifice your son or something and say, God told you to. But God doesn't ask that, but if he did, could you hold your rebellion in check? And because of his authority, because you have faith, you've walked with him and you've developed faith in him, and because you know his character, could you do... What did he ask you to do? And another reason he did it is because of the covenant, that blood covenant. A blood covenant means whatever you ask from me, I will do. Because I know whatever I ask from you, you will do. That's what a blood covenant is. So if he's in blood covenant, he, he knows that God walked that trail of blood and cut covenant with him. And if so, God now has the right to ask of his blood covenant partner for his son. He has the right to ask whatever he whatever you possess, he can ask from us if you're in blood covenant. So Abraham, a man of honor, was willing to do whatever God asked of him because of the blood covenant. And you know why there was a ram in the thicket? Because whatever he asked of Abraham, he was willing to do himself. And he provided the sacrifice. And not just that token of that little lamb, that ram, but the, the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. He, because Abraham was willing to offer his son, Jesus was given as the sacrifice, God's son. That's how that came about. God saw, he cut covenant with mankind. That's why he's called uh, the father of our faith, the father of many nations, because God found a man that would actually believe him and was willing to give up his son so that through the covenant, the blood covenant, God could give up his son instead. It's pretty awesome if you think about it. What's stopping us? from just all-out trusting God. Many of us, it just might be simple humility. We can't, when that, when that old feeling rises up, when somebody tells us what to do, we, we can't push it down. Self has too much control. What would you have done if you were Abram? Think about it. I mean, we think about these stories, and we say, oh, yeah, that was a man of faith. Put yourself in, the, in his shoes. Say if God... Ask you today, I want you to move out of South Haven or Horn Lake, and I want you to go get your car loaded, and just, you know just leave everything that you can't fit in your car and start driving, and I'll, I'll tell you where. Don't bring your kin, folks, your dogs, and all that stuff. Leave all that. Just start driving. What would you do? Would you have faith to? I mean, if you knew it was God speaking to you, could you do it? It's a good question? What if he asked you to believe for something just, just a total miracle? I mean, just like you know having a child at 100 years old, you know? What if he asked you to some of, say say you're over 60 in here, and he asked you to have a child this week this week. Okay, That would be a miracle. But if he told you, could you believe it? And what if you had that child, and you loved that child, and you raised that child for 15 years, and then he asked you to sacrifice that child, that miracle? Could you do it? That's hard stuff. You got to really be developing trust in your God. What if you were Joshua, and and you got to Jericho, and you were like, you had your bows ready, and your spears, and your swords, and you was ready to get at it, you know. And God said, I want you to just circle the thing for seven days. Don't say a word. Have you ever done anything that God asked you to do when it didn't make sense? I remember one time I was sitting in the parking lot, and I was waiting on somebody to come out of the building or something, and I was just praying, and having spending a moment. That was when I was a new Christian. I was spending a moment with God, and uh, I looked up, and there was this, slide that had fallen over or something on the playground next door he said i want you to go pick that slide up i just heard it clear god don't think i'm crazy walking out there picking that slide up why would i do that i don't know why i went out there but i picked up that slide i don't know if there might have been a child that would have got hurt by that slide or i don't know the story but i have done things on occasion where i felt god told me to do it and i'd had no reason to understand why But God knows the the why behind everything. That's why he's God. You see, he knows yesterday, today, and forever, as it's all the same thing. What if you were Noah, asked to spend your whole life building an ark on dry ground? (laughs) On the off chance that it may rain one day. Or for 40 days. I mean, that's pretty... would, Would you give your life... Would you... This is what I do. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. They make fun of me. They don't understand why. You could be something, Noah. You could have been something in your life. You could have went to college, Noah. But there you're over there banging on that boat every day. Are you willing <laughs> to, to lay down your aspirations in this life to do what God calls you to do? What about Moses. You know, Moses had killed a fellow, an Egyptian, and then he ran off. And then, you know, 40 years later of wandering in the desert, God speaks to him in the bush and tells him to go back to Egypt, where he's wanted for murder, and speak to the Pharaoh, and tell the head honcho in all of Egypt what to do. You better let all these millions of people go. You're letting all your slaves go, God said. Man, would you put your, I mean, Moses didn't want to, but, but, but God, I can't even speak good. I, I, who am I? I mean, God, you, he tried to come up with every excuse in the book, but you know what? He went. He, he exasperated God a little bit in the process. But God said, am I not going to be with you, Moses? Didn't I give you the mouth? Can I make you speak good? Can I? Come on. What is your life about? Are you willing to do what God asked you to do? All notable achievements that I see in the Bible required a great deal of faith. That's on your sheet. Notable achievements require notable faith. What are you going to do when God says, because I said so? Now, my mama, she didn't teach, she didn't teach me about faith. Say, so your mama. She taught me a little something about anticipation. She said, you just wait till I get home. (laughs) (laughs) But I told you one time I had this dream that I died. and And I dreamed that I went to heaven and Jesus wasn't there. It was Muhammad. I had a dream that I went to heaven and it was Muhammad there. And I'm like, what? And they said, see, we told you you was wrong. You believed in the wrong God this whole time. Now you need to bow down and serve me and get yourself straight. And not for one moment did I ever consider doing that. I didn't care if they were fixing to cast me into hell or what was fixing to happen in that dream. I said, no, I serve Jesus. If I have to go to hell to serve Jesus, I'm serving Jesus. And so if, I, if the devil gave me that dream or God gave me that dream, I determined right then who I, whose I am and who I belong to. It didn't matter if you showed me in the natural. It didn't matter what my eyes, my senses understood. It didn't matter if it was all said and done and I was in heaven. I have made up my mind I'm going to follow Jesus. And I think it's a good decision. I think it's a real good decision because Jesus, man, he's the only one who's treated me like this. He's the one, only one that's brought me out of this darkness that I was in, out of the miry clay. He gave me hope, peace, and a future. He demonstrated such humility when I see Jesus. I talked about it at, at Youth Villages yesterday. I, I just told them about Jesus' love and why he came and all the things that he did. You know, 30, about 35 kids gave their heart to Jesus yesterday at Youth Villages? We talk about why we do the things that we do. Do you know that 13 people got uh, born again at the jail services last Sunday night? 14 the week before that? I mean, we're, we're producing fruit for the kingdom of God. You're involved in something here. I just wanted to throw that in. But Jesus, I mean, he's so worth it. I was telling them, and I had some things in mind, that I was preaching, and I was trying to get to all my points, and then at the end, I just said, I'm coming out of my head a lot, and this seems like a, a lot of what I'm doing today. But I just stopped, and I said, man, I'm coming out of my heart. I'm just going to tell you how much Jesus loves you. I'm just going to get serious about this deal. And I, and I just said, you know, I know y'all have been through all kind of stuff, but he's been there with you, and he, he's long for the day. You know, Jesus, he went all in on us. In the garden, you know, when he said, not my will, but thine be done. He went all in. It's like a... I see it as a poker term. You know, you, you push all the chips to the middle. I'm going all in on the Father's will. I'm not holding anything back. I just go ahead. And, and if he can do that for us, that's what we need to do for him. We just we go all in on Jesus. He clung to that old wooden cross, and he walked the trail of blood. He cut the covenant in his own blood. He was, he was that ram in the thicket. What do you do when Jesus says, because I said so? It's going to depend on how much you love him, probably. How much you know about him. The more you know about him, the more you're going to love him. The more time you spend with him. i tell you what those closest to Jesus would, would suggest about today's question. In John 2, verse 5, But his mother Mary told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. That's wise advice, some of the wisest advice in the Bible. He said, it's not my time to do miracles yet, Mama. She looked at the service, do whatever he says. Peter, when he saw Jesus transformed on the the mountaintop, him and James and John were there and got to see Jesus in all of his glory. And Moses and Elijah come down and are speaking with him. And he's flabbergasted. He don't know what to say. He's just... Jesus said, man, it's, it's good for us to be here. Let's build you a tent. And Moses one and Elijah just as a memorial or something. And he's probably trying to think of something to say like me most of the time, you know. And in Matthew 17, 5, it says, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Do what he says. Listen to him. Don't do all the talking. Our job is to say, yes, sir. (laughs) Do you agree? Because our God is love. We can trust love. He He's 1 Corinthians 13. He's everything in there. You can trust that. Our God is love. He always wants to do what's best for us. He doesn't have any ulterior motives. He's not trying to just coerce you to do something. He's trying to get the best to you. He's trying to get you to enjoy life. He's trying to get you to have peace. In the midst of this storm down here, he's trying to do what's best for you, even if it does involve your suffering, if it, if it perfects your character, if it brings you up, just like you do for your children. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's absolutely holy and perfect and true. His Word has proven itself time and time again to be true. All the prophecies that have come to pass, all the people who have tried to, to wipe out the Word of God have been unsuccessful. But the Word of God just keeps proving true. Prophecies, even today, coming to pass. Things lining up just like Jesus told us they would in Matthew 24, 2,000 years ago. And here we are at the end of the end. And He needs warriors like us to rise up. It's impossible for our God to lie, you understand? He's the potter, we're just the clay. He's the creator, the owner, the final authority. He is God Almighty. When God said, let there be light, oof, there was light. Light didn't argue. Light didn't argue at all. When God said, let there be stars and moon, they said, how bright. When God said, let there be fish and birds and animals, they didn't argue who was going to fly and who's going to get to be sw- swimming. They just went and did what they were told to do. It wasn't until man came around that somebody finally said, did God really say? I mean, nobody was arguing with God. And when Jesus, he spoke to the wind and the waves, they stilled. They didn't argue. Jesus spoke to the demons, they trembled. When he said, Lazarus, come forth, death said, "I, right, Captain. I'm telling you. When he spoke to the blinded eyes, the deaf ears, the mute tongues, the halt, the lame, the leopards, all things became new. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. When he said, I am, he was and he is. And he is to come. The word of the Lord has spoken these things. And we have so little to offer the equation. We just have it, just a little, just takes us a little faith, a little trust, a little humility just a little obedience, he's the one that paid the cost to be the boss. All we have to do is say, yes, sir. So what do you do if God says, because I said so? Yes, Yes, sir. What do you do if God says, go to O'Brien Park because I can't find nobody else to go? Yes. Yes, sir. So what's the answer to today's All important, why? Because I said so. That's all you need to know. God says, because I said so. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word.